All right, take your Bibles, if you would, this morning. Turn to Daniel chapter 2. Daniel chapter 2, verses 20 through 22. And I want to share a little bit different of a message this morning entitled, Don't Settle for the Lower Case. Don't Settle for the Lower Case. That's got some of your wheels spinning today. That's good. Daniel 20, verses 20 through 22. Daniel answered and said, Blessed be the name of God forever and ever, for wisdom and might are His, and He changes the times and the seasons. He removes kings and raises up kings. He gives wisdom to the wise and knowledge to those who have understanding. He knows what is in the darkness and light dwells with him. Father, this morning as we dive into your word, may we decrease and may you increase in Jesus' name. Everyone said amen. Amen. Tell someone to get ready. Go ahead. Tell them real quick. Just get ready this morning. The message I want to preach this morning is simple, but it'll have profound implication in our lives, but it is simple. In the English language, all proper names and places are to be capitalized no matter where they are in a sentence. The English capitalization rules require that the first letter of certain words is capitalized, specifically the pronoun I, the first word of a sentence, the proper nouns like names are capitalized. Generally, always capitalize the names of people, places, titles, of works, of nationalities, languages, or institutions like a company, historical eras, months, holidays, initials, and even acronyms. I actually had to go back and find those rules on a site called Grammarly, which I misspelled when I wrote it out. Fortunately, I did not misspell the word misspelled, but I did misspell misspell. This is why my wife works in the church office and corrects everything that goes out into the public forum. Listen, the only time that a pronoun like the word he or him is capitalized, now get this, is when we are referring to God. It is when we are referring to him that his pronoun is to be capitalized. And this is the only exception in the English language. Whenever we call him God, the G is always capitalized. And whenever an idol is referenced, they are called gods of the little g. But my wife and I were noticing something that's happening in the newer translations of the Bible. When referencing and referring to our God, the H in he and the H in him is being made in the lower case. And Don and I began to notice that several years ago because we used different translations. And one day as we were discussing this, the Lord dropped this thought that I'm preaching on this morning so deeply in my spirit, and that's this. Don't settle for the lower case. There are many people that think 
that it is insignificant that we are seeing these slight variations in publications, and it's not. As a matter of fact, it is having a profound effect on people. First of all, our God is not receiving the honor and reverence that is reserved only for Him. How many of you know He is God and worthy of all of our praise? Secondly, it is having an effect on how people view God. For many, He is becoming just a God among other gods of the little g type. To them, He is just one of many ways. And Jesus said in John 14, verse 6, Jesus said to him, I am the way, capital W. I am the truth, capital T, and the life, large L. No one comes to the Father except through me, capital M. Now, I didn't come here necessarily to give you a grammar lesson today. Turn to someone and tell them it'll be worth it. He's going to get there. Go ahead. Tell them real quick. Listen, God made a way for us when there was absolutely no way to Him. That way, that capital W, is because it is one of the names of Jesus, the way. And that way was made through the way that the death and resurrection of Jesus so that you and I could have forgiveness of sins. For many people, including some Christians, their God is not our God. To them, He's just a God, a little g. To them, their God is not almighty, all-powerful, and all-knowing. Their God is not greater, and He is not Lord of all. But I am convinced that in many ways, many of us have grown to be a people that tolerate a God of the lower case in our lives. He is not Lord, capital L, He is simply someone we say is Lord, lowercase. Not Him, but Him. Not Father God, but simply a Father of the lowercase type. Instead of us being made His creation and in His image, Many people have grown to have an image of God in our mind that looks like us, acts like us, and has the same frailties and limitations that we do. But listen, I want to tell you that is not the God of the Bible. He is the God of everything. The Lord of all creation. People right now, I hear Christians getting upset about what they see going on in the world Over in Israel, they're panicking about what they see happening in politics. I just want to remind you that our God is greater than all those things, and He is over all of those things. I opened up with the book of Daniel, and the Bible reminds us that Daniel knew his God. And many of us stand in awe of the type of man that Daniel was in his day. And we look around and we want to know where the Daniels of our day are. Listen to me, I want to tell you they're here. But they are the people that know their God. They know Him as the God of the big G and not the God of the little G. Daniel 11.32 says this, But the people 
who know their God shall be strong and carry out great exploits. Listen, the Christians that are making a difference in our world know their God and they know who He is. I want to say this again. There is no one like our God. No one in all creation. There never has been and there never will be. There is no one like God. He is the Lord, and besides Him, there is no other. I said this the other Wednesday, and I want to say it again. Satan is not the opposite of God. If he was, that would make him the equal opposite. And I want to remind you that there is no equal to our God. Satan can't even hold a candle. He is one of God's creation. That means that he came out of the very creative power of God himself. He is no match. There's no one like the Lord. Satan is not all-powerful. He is not all-knowing. He is not in any way the equal to the Lord. Psalms 113, 5 and 6 says, Who is like the Lord our God? who dwells on high, who humbles himself to behold the things that are in heaven and in the earth. The New Living Translation puts it this way, who can be compared with the Lord our God who is enthroned on high? He stoops to look down on heaven and on earth. Listen, he looks down on heaven. He's not just in there, he's looking down on it. Turn to someone and say, he's been high and lifted up. Come on. We need a fresh revelation in the body of Christ of who God is again. In Psalms 89, 6 it says, For who in all of heaven can compare with the Lord? What mightiest angel is anything like the Lord? The answer would be no one. Psalm 71, 19 in the Amplified says, Your righteousness, O God reaches to the heights of the heavens. You who have done great things, O God, who is like you? Who is your equal? And the answer, of course, again, there is no one like our God. Tell someone next to you there's no one like Him. Go ahead. Tell them. There are some things that God brought me here this morning to remind you of. And if we are going to be living for the Lord in these last days, if we're going to stand in the power and the might of God, if we're going to see God work through His people like He said He would, then we must know Him for who He is, and we must stop settling for the God of the lower case. I want to remind you this morning that His is the name that is above every other name. You may think you're something, you may think you're famous, but I want to tell you right now, there is no one like our God. Philippians 2, 9-11 through 11 says, Therefore God has also highly exalted Him, that's Jesus, and given Him the name which is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow of those in heaven and of those on the earth and of those under the earth, and that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Listen, I want to tell you our God is Lord of all. That's okay. Give Him a shout in the house of God today. He is the Lord over all creation. He is the God of all the heavens and the earth. And I just want to remind you, He is still the God of those under the earth, even though they choose to reject Him and not serve Him. Every knee will bow before Him, simply because He is God. 
At 1 Timothy 6, 15 and 16, it says, For at just the right time, Christ will be revealed from heaven by the blessed and only Almighty God, the King of all kings and the Lord of all lords. He alone can never die, and He lives in light so brilliant that no human can approach Him. No human eye has ever seen Him, nor ever will. All honor and power to Him forever. Amen. The New King James puts it this way, Who alone has immortality, dwelling in unapproachable light, whom no man has seen or can see, to whom be honor and everlasting power. And everyone said, Amen. What the Apostle John saw Jesus in heaven, he knew immediately who he was, even though his whole appearance had changed from the time when he had walked with him on the earth. And Revelation 1, starting in verse 12, it says, Then I turned to see the voice that spoke with me. And having turned, I saw seven golden lampstands, and in the midst of the seven lampstands, one, notice that's capitalized, like the Son of Man, clothed with a garment down to the feet, and girded about the chest with a golden band. His head and hair were white like wool, as white as snow, and his eyes like a flame of fire. His feet were like fine brass, as if refined in a furnace, and his voice is the sound of many waters. He had in his right hand seven stars. Out of his mouth went a sharp two-edged sword, and his countenance was like the sun shining in its strength. And when I saw him, I fell at his feet as dead. But he laid his right hand on me, saying to me, Do not be afraid. I am the first, capital F, and the last, capital L. I am he who lives and was dead, and behold, I am alive forevermore. Amen. And I have the keys of Hades and death. I just want to remind you that hell and death have nothing on our God. Come on, someone give him glory in the house this morning. Throughout the Bible, many people had the response that John had to seeing Jesus. They all fell at his feet like they were dead. Isaiah, Daniel, John, there are several others. When God began to reveal himself, we would do well to read of them without the, throughout the word of God. There is something so amazing about our God that when he begins to reveal himself in all his glory, that people can't even stand before him. God told Moses that no man could look on the face of God and live. Why would we settle for the lower case? In this world, many people can force you or require you to bow. But God has no need. The truth is, we will bow whether we want to or not simply because of who He is. He is the I Am because He always has been. He is the eternally existent One. There has never been a time when God was not, and that is why He is I Am. Tell someone next to you, He Am. Go ahead, tell them this morning. Revelations 19, 15 through 16 said, From his mouth came a sharp sword to strike down the nations. He will rule them with an iron rod. He will release the fierce wrath of God, the Almighty, like juice flowing from a wine press. 
on his robe, at his thigh was written this title, King of all kings and Lord of all lords. He has the name that is above every name, and he is the King of kings and the Lord of lords. Come on, one more time, give a shout to him this morning. It's time for the church to learn who our God is again. You won't walk around with your head down. You won't wring your hands wondering if He's going to do something. You won't wonder if He's in control. Listen, He's giving you this Word so that you will know Him. If you want to know why many in the church are powerless in this day and age, it's because they really don't know their God. They haven't spent time in the Word. They haven't spent time in prayer. They haven't been in His presence. But those like Daniel have, who have been in the presence of God the Bible says, will be strong and do great exploits. This is what God is calling us to in these last days. Next, we must remember and understand that He's all-powerful. All-powerful. One of the names of God in the Hebrew is El Shaddai. Literally, this name means God Almighty. And it is among the most frequently appearing names of God in the Bible, the Almighty. A better foundational meaning of El Shaddai. He could be called the overpowerer, which emphasizes God's power to achieve all of his purposes. He is not just Almighty God, he is God Almighty. Listen, might is not just what he has, it is who he is. You see, where you place a modifier in a sentence matters. Almighty does not modify our God. God actually redefines the term Almighty. Almighty is modified because of who God is. He is the creator, the maker of heaven and earth. In Psalms 91, 1 and 2, it says, whoever dwells in the shelter, shelter of the Most High will rest in the shadow of the Almighty. I will say of the Lord, He is my refuge and my fortress. Listen, when you stand in the shadow of the Almighty, you are not in that shadow cowering. You are in a place of protection where that you know He has the power to keep you and to protect you in every way. Revelation 1.8 says, I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end, says the Lord, who is and who was and who is to come, the Almighty. Psalms 145.3 says, Great is the Lord. He is most worthy of praise. No one can measure His greatness. 1 Chronicles 29.11 and 13 says, Yours, O Lord, is the greatness, the power and the glory, the victory and the majesty for all that is in heaven and earth is yours. Yours is the kingdom, O Lord, and you are exalted as head over all. Both riches and honor come from you, and you reign over all. In your hand is power and might. In your hand it is to make great and to give strength to all. Now therefore, our God, we thank you 
and praise your glorious name. Oh, I want to tell you something begins to happen in the way that you praise, in the way that you honor God, when you understand all that's in His name. Too often we don't give credit to God for the strength that He has. I want to remind you this morning that our God is bigger, better, stronger, greater than anything or anyone. He is the God of the big G. But you won't call Him big G. He deserves your reverence and your praise. Come on, someone say a good amen. He's not like us. He's not like the gods of this world. And He will never disappoint. Often we talk about the strong arm of the law. But I want to tell you about the strong arm of our God. Surely his arm is not too short, nor his ear too dull to hear. As God Almighty, he has both the power and the authority to do what needs done. He doesn't need permission, and he doesn't need more strength. He has it all, and he will just go ahead and do it. 1 Timothy 1.17 says, Now to the King, eternal, immortal, invisible, to God, who alone is wise, be honor and glory forever and ever. Amen. I want you to mark this down. He is the God of the possible. Too often we say that he's the God of the impossible. He's not. With him, all things are possible. And there are many things that are not possible for us. But they are possible for God. He is the healer. He is the savior. He is the renewer. He is the restorer. He is the peace giver. He is the counselor. He is the one who is there all the time and will never leave you or forsake you. Now I do want to remind you that there are a few things that God cannot do. But those things are limited simply because of who He is. He can't lie because He is truth. It is not possible for God to be tempted because He is holy and He is pure. That's why God will never tempt us with evil. Our God cannot be unfaithful because of who He is. Even when we are faithless, He is always faithful because He can't deny Himself. Too often we limit God to the scope of our abilities and our inabilities. Luke 18, 27 in the Amplified, but he said these things that are impossible with people are possible with God. In Jeremiah 32, 17, it says, Ah, Lord God, behold, you have made the heavens and the earth by your great power and outstretched arm. There is nothing too hard for you. He's the healer, the creator. He's the God of the possible. With God, the only limitations that he has concern who he is. So why do we limit God? It's because of our unbelief and our fear. And even then, our unbelief and fear do not limit who God is. It only limits what he does through our life. The Bible says that he is a rewarder of those who believe that he is And that, he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. 
I love how Elijah began to taunt the 450 prophets of Baal. They began to cut themselves. They began to dance around for hours until they were absolutely exhausted. But their God does nothing. And Elijah looks at them and says, are you done? And he begins to get buckets and buckets of water and pour them on the sacrifice. And then he begins to taunt them and tell the prophets of Baal, maybe your God's sleeping. And it actually says in one of the translations, maybe he's in the bathroom and he can't hear you. I love that. I love, listen, I love that the men of God are not cowards. I love when there are men of God that will taunt the others that are calling on other gods because they know their God will come through. Elijah knew his God. And he called on the Lord and fire came from heaven and consumed the sacrifice. I want to remind you that God will consume every sacrifice that you offer to him. The Bible says that you and I are living sacrifices. Tell someone you're a living sacrifice. You want to see the fire of God work through your life? Then give your everything to Him. Remind Him that He is the God of the impossible, even in the middle of your impossibilities. As a matter of fact, you may need to remind yourself of that. Become that living sacrifice. Sacrifice, Lord, in the middle of this, I know who you are. I know what you are capable of doing. And I will put my life and everything I am on the line. Listen, if God hadn't come through from Elijah, 450 prophets of Baal would have gotten on top of him and ended his life. But he trusted God with everything that he was. If the church in these last days are going to see the miracles and powers of God while the rest of the world calls on the God of the little g, we are going to need to have have the boldness to know who our God is and stand for Him in this day and age. You're going to need to put it all on the line. If you're taking notes, I want you to write this down. He is the God of enough. In 2 Corinthians 2.9, And He said to me, My grace is sufficient for you, for my strength is made perfect in weakness Therefore, most gladly, I will rather boast in my infirmities that the power of Christ may rest upon me. His grace is sufficient. Many people today want God and other things. And I want to remind you that God is enough. He's enough. We want so much. And I'm not just talking about the materialistic things. Paul said, I became as nothing. And God's enough. I don't care what people think. I don't care what I look like. I just want him to be enough. And for many, God's not enough. But I want to remind you that he is enough. Period. All we need is God. Why? Because he is the source of of everything that we need. Philippians 4.19 says, My God shall supply all your need according to His riches and glory by Christ Jesus. Church, I want to remind you that everything we need is found in Jesus. Everything. And this is where some of the other translations get off track again. 
The newer translations say that God will supply all your needs. They add an S to the end of the need. But I remember growing up, how one of the messages my pastor preached, he taught the point that that word need is singular, not plural. The Amplified says, My God will liberally supply and fill and fill, fill and fill until full your every need according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. Everything that we need is found in him. Amen. Everything. He's sufficient. His favor, his grace over our life is everything that we need. In Matthew 6, 31 through 33, it says, Therefore do not worry, saying, What shall we eat? Or what shall we drink? Or what shall we wear? For after all these things the Gentiles seek. For your heavenly Father knows that you need all these things. But seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and all these things shall be added to you. God knows what you need, and he's promised to give it to us. I want to ask you, have you found God to be sufficient for your need? Or are you adding to it? Listen, and if God isn't all you need, then you serve a God of the little g. Knowing that God is sufficient and that he is enough means that you've learned to trust him in everything. And we must learn to seek Him first in everything, knowing that we walk in His grace and His favor. How many of you know if you're saved this morning, you're a child of God and you walk in the favor of the Lord? If you believe that, would you give the Lord glory this morning? God never promised to make you a millionaire. He did promise to give you all you need. God didn't promise that you would have uh, everything you thought you needed in the sense of material things, but He promised you'd be saved and blessed and that He would supply everything that you need that He knows will meet your need. He's faithful. I'm so thankful for the things God has kept out of my life that I didn't need. There were some things that I thought I needed that would have destroyed me. How many of you ever been there? Some things that I thought I really wanted only to find out if I had gotten it, I would have come to ruin. How many of you believe that God is a good Father who knows how to watch over you and protect you? You must learn to seek Him in everything. I wonder if, you know, they're talking about a lot of things in these last days. America could run out of food. There's going to be all kinds of people panicking and There'll all be kinds of chaos. I wonder how many people who attend a church on Sunday when the food runs out will be going to be part of the crowd that's uh, fighting for the morsels. Do you think he'll take care of you? We're about to find out. I don't know exactly when, but if you're taking notes, I want you to write this down. He's not only the God of enough, he's the God of more than enough. While God is to be enough for us, we must not limit him by believing that he is the God of just enough. He's more than we need. Someone said that when it comes to God, you only need 50. And he's 51. He's the God of one more. He's the God of just one more. Remember, 
He promised that He would lead you and guide you. All you need to do is take the step and then He'll show you the next one. Just one more. You don't need to know all ten ahead of you, but He's the God of enough and the God of more and than enough. He got you where you're going and He's going to get you where you're going. You just need one more. The truth is we all want to know everything else all ahead of time. But how many of you believe that He will show you exactly what you need when you need to know it? I have found that while God is always right on time, He's rarely early. But He's more than enough. And God is not just greater than, He is more than. Remember, He owns everything. And our God is not stingy. He is more than enough. He gives us pressed down, shaken together, and running over. I want to ask you, why do we limit Him in our mind? Because He always over-delivers. Ephesians 3.20 says, Now to Him who is able to do exceedingly, abundantly, above all that we ask or think, according to the power that works in us. The Amplified puts it this way, Now to Him who is able to carry out His purpose, and to do superabundantly more than all that we dare ask or think, infinitely beyond our greatest prayers, hopes, or dreams, according to His power that is at work within us. He's able to do superabundantly, more than we ask, more than we dare ask or think. My prayer is that we'll become a daring church. Dare to ask. Now listen, I'm not asking you to ask selfishly, but I'm asking you to to begin to trust God for bigger and greater things. Those things that He would work in and through our life. We need to think higher and greater. I want my thoughts and my dreams to become more like His. In Isaiah 55, 8 and 9, He says this, For my thoughts are not your thoughts, nor are your ways my ways, says the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. That's powerful to me. There's nothing lowercase about our God. Think about the person you know that thinks big, that knows how to dream big. They haven't even begun to touch what God's able to conceive or to think. Haven't even needed to come near it. I find myself often in my own thoughts, and my own thinking, and I come to prayer and God says, that's all you've got? That's all you're going to ask for? That's all you're believing for? Do you trust me? Do you know who I am? Do you know that I'm able to do? I remember when I was praying over one of our kids, God not only saved them, He saved their spouse. And listen, I love that. I was just praying for them. How many of you know God was able to do a super abundantly above all I could ask or think? There were things we were asking God to do in the life of this church. And He met the need. Super abundantly above and beyond. But it's easy for us to settle back. Daniel understood his God. He knew that with God there was always more. And in Daniel chapter 7, there's something there that's easy to pass by. And it's something that set Daniel apart from other people. In Daniel 7, 11, he says, Then I kept looking because of the 
of the great and boastful words which the horn was speaking. And I kept looking until the beast was slain and its body destroyed and given to be burned in the fire. You see, in Daniel chapter 7, Daniel's shown the Antichrist in his kingdom. And what he saw was disturbing. But twice he said, I kept looking. Here's what I saw, and I kept looking. Why? Because God was going to show him something, and Daniel knew that God would not leave things in a bad way. He kept looking to see how God would finish it. He knew that God would have the final say because Daniel knew that God is the author and the finisher of our faith. I want to remind you this morning that those who do not serve the God of the lowercase understand that their God is a finisher. If he starts something, he finishes it. I want to ask you if you know your God as a finisher. Maybe you're in the middle of something that God already asked you to do and it's not done yet. Listen, don't give up hope. Like Daniel, keep looking. Some people right now, and I listen listen to Christians right now looking at what's going on in the world and they're getting frustrated. Keep looking. Listen, he already wrote it. It's already been finished. I don't know if you know this, but the outcome's already been determined. Turn to someone and say, it's finished. Do you remember what Jesus said on the cross? It is finished. Come on, say that with me. It is finished. That means that you know your God. I want to ask you this morning, do you serve the God of the big G? Or of the little G? How have you watched yourself living? How have you watched yourself praying? How have you watched yourself walking as a child of God? The Bible says that those who know their Lord will be strong and do great exploits. I've watched something over the last 20 years in the life of the church. I've watched as Christians that I knew used to walk in boldness now walk in the timidity that I don't recognize, understand. I don't get it. When they're challenged about their belief in God, they back down and they make apologies. Those who know their God stand up and declare the word of the Lord. When they're challenged, they're not worried that other people serve a different God than they do. They serve Jehovah, the King of kings and the Lord of lords. And they understand that they walk in His authority and under His call. That they are ambassadors in the world. Listen, we aren't called to give our opinion or our own words, but His. And I believe that God is raising that up again in this day, in this age. Listen, if you serve the God of the big G... Would you stand with me this morning? Father, this morning we thank you that you're in this place. God, we admit that there is none higher, there is none greater, there is none more powerful, more loving, more grace-filled, more powerful than you. And today as we stand in this place, we acknowledge again the greatness of our God. 
I pray that, Lord, over this church there would be a fresh meeting of people who know that they serve the God of the uppercase. People that when they lay hands on the sick won't settle for a lowercase God. People that when they're sharing the gospel won't share, stand for a lowercase God. They will stand as those representing the God of all creation. I pray that as we share the gospel, we will stand as those who know the Savior, capital S, of the world. That God, when we see those that are bound up in sin and addiction or possession, that we wouldn't back down from what the enemy has presented because we serve a God that is the Deliverer, capital D. Yes. I thank you, Lord, that's what you do and who you are. Over to this place, if you would say, I am serving a God of the big G. Would you just lift your hands in this place this morning? If you are committed to serving a God of the big G, would you just lift your hands in this place? Listen, if you want God to give you a fresh understanding of that today, would you just lift your hands up to Him? Father, this morning, Lord, we thank You for people like Daniel that are an example of what it means to know their God and to do great exploits. Daniel not only went into a lion's den and saw the mouth be closed, he stood in the courts of very educated people and royalty and was able to stand in the power in the work of God and articulate what you wanted done. That's who we want to be. Listen, if your desire is to be a Daniel in this day and age, I want to ask you to step out and come to the altar this morning. If that's your desire, that you would be those that know their God and do great exploits, could we just come and fill this place this morning and ask God to reveal Himself and all of His power and all of His might and all of His goodness and all of His glory. You can kneel, you can stand, you can begin to seek the face of God. That God would begin to do something in your life. That God would do something through the life of this church. Father, thank you for it in Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord, in Jesus' name. Lord, I pray as we come, and if you would just keep coming forward, move to the sides. If you could make room as people are still coming to the altar. Moments like this are precious. Now, I want you to look at me for just a minute. It was interesting. When I went on vacation, I remember looking at my calendar when I came back, and God said, that's what you're going to preach. I said, I'm looking forward to that. He said, but I want you to believe that what I'm going to do in your church and in the life with us as people will be something so significant that we'll never be the same again. Listen, I want to ask you if you expect that. God's already done some amazing things in the life of this church, if you believe that, amen? God's done some pretty awesome things, and I've known most of you in this place. I know what God's done in your life. Healings, provisions, family, the work that you've done for Him and accomplished. The Bible says greater things. Greater things. Why? Because our God is greater. He's Almighty God. 
Would you just lift your hands to him? Father, this morning we receive all that you want to do in the life of this church. Father God, we come to you at this altar as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable. Lord, we pray that you would come consume us. I pray this morning that where there is any sin, that God, the fire of the Holy Ghost, would consume it out of our lives in Jesus' name. Lord, we repent of anything in our life that doesn't belong there that makes us more like the God of this world than the God of heaven. Father, that you would remove every bit of sin in Jesus' name. Father, I pray that you would fill us with a knowledge of who you are and that, God, we would live in that. We would walk in it. And, Lord, we're not talking about feelings. We're talking about what we know. Lord, when we get in a car, we just know it's going to drive. I pray that we would just live knowing that we serve you. And I thank you, you don't break down. You don't come apart. I pray that, Father God, as we begin to step out and we begin to do the things you've called us to as a witness, as we lead people to Jesus, as we lay hands on the sick, your word said that these signs will follow those who believe. I pray that we would come to expect it. I pray that, God, you would give us your thoughts, your mind, your words, that we would stop talking like we serve a God of a lowercase g, that we would stop living in the expectation of a lower g, and that we would know that you are the God of everything. Father, I thank you. Your word says that we're asked, and then to give thanks. I thank you for what we're going to see in the coming season. Lord, in each life, I thank you what we're going to see. I thank you in this church for what we're going to see. I thank you in all the churches, Lord, where people serve you and love you and honor you. Lord, regardless of denomination, that God, you would pour out your spirit in such a way. While we know in the last days that there is a falling away, I thank you that there is also a coming to the house, to the the things of God, and that we would see greater than we've ever seen before. I thank you that these will be a people that walk by faith and not by sight. Now, there are some of you that are here, and there are things that you're expecting from God. Things that you'd like to see. I'd like you to ask Him right now. I dare you to ask Him right now. Janet, I believe that book God's put in you, God is going to just get that to more service members than you'll ever believe possible. God's going to open doors. Kevin, those people that you want to be out on the streets witnessing, greater things are going to happen. Ed, the prayer stations that God is leading you to help be a part of, you're going to see even greater things. What is the thing that God has called you to do? Begin to ask Him. I dare you. Believe big. Operation Christmas Child this year, even greater things, even more marvelous things. Tara, get ready up there in Fort Pierce. Don't just, this is, might be year one for you, but then God is going to do great things and the bar will just lift every single season. Father, we give you glory for it and we'll thank you. I thank you in advance for answered prayer in Jesus' name. And everybody said amen. amen. Come on, give him praise in the house of God this morning. Listen, I love you. I pray that you'll go out with greater faith, with greater expectation. Listen, I'll see you Wednesday at 7 o'clock. We have a great series that we're doing, and I know we'll grow through them. God bless you.